Good evening, everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I'm grateful for your support. I'm very excited about tonight because it is something I've been working on for some time, gathering information, writing it down. And uh, finally, I received an email about a few weeks ago that inspired me to put this information forth. I've been kind of sitting on it. But uh, this just kind of propelled me to send it out there to everybody. And this is inspired by an email that I've received from one of our listeners regarding her relationship with her boyfriend. I think that it's really important that we kind of read a little bit of what she wrote in the email. So this way you guys get a better idea of uh, what her concerns are when it comes to relationship with her boyfriend. And... Because of this email, it propelled me to go ahead and disclose what I've been working on for a couple of years, hopefully getting everybody really started on identifying this issue within themselves and we can start working on it. Okay. But before I get ahead of myself, let me read part of the email or some of the questions that she had about her uh, relationship. Okay. Here we go. And by the way, this young lady is quite introspective, very intelligent, and she's aware of what's happening. She's done a lot of work on herself. So this specific problem that she's dealing with, that she's still continuing on, is that she's struggling in her personal relationships. She said, I tend to gravitate towards those who take and not give back and require a lot of validation from my partner. She says, I also need to be needed, and I continue to anticipate the worst and try to argue before any actual problems occur as a way of controlling the narrative. Oh, I love that she said that. Okay. I have a codependency problem and want to continue to work on myself. Do you have any feedback or advice for me as I attempt to build a meaningful relationship with my current partner? He is a very independent individual that is not an affectionate person or offers much in the way of talking things out or validating that I am important to him, or any talk of the future together. However, when I become overwhelmed with panic at times, uh, he will confirm then that I am important and that I create problems when there are none. How do I identify when there is a problem, when I'm being codependent, when a problem is actually occurring and worth discussing, or when I'm just in need of affirmation? Uh, Wonderful. I think these are excellent questions. But in order for me to answer these questions, you got to really know about yourself, my, my wonderful listener, but also all the other wonderful listeners need to identify this within themselves. And that is the idea that I've termed as the inconvenient woman. Now, this inconvenient woman is, I think, to certain levels in each one of us. And I've identified her through the years of working with uh, women, and she appears in those sessions. And I think it has a lot to do with our conditioning. Uh, it has a lot to do with the, the way women are conditioned to respond in the Western world. Also, upbringing has a lot to do with that. I'm not going to talk in detail about all those things. But the most important thing to talk about for me today is just who this inconvenient woman is and how she responds in love and hopefully help answer those questions that our wonderful listener had. Because I think 
she represents many of us that have these questions. Uh, why do I pick a person that is unequal? And I give a lot in a relationship. This person gives very little. I even expect very little. Uh, it even sounds a little bit of justification in there of this person's behavior for better or worse. We're going to take a look at that a little deeper. So the inconvenient woman is what we're going to call her because that's the best name I found for her. Uh, because that's what she really feels like. She really does not own her space, the inconvenient woman. She's often apologetic. She does not acknowledge her wants and needs. Now, I'm going to talk about the apologetic first. I'm going to go back and, and specifically handle that because this woman usually will apologize for a lot of things. She'll apologize when she cries. She'll apologize when she shows emotion to others. Uh, somewhere along the line, she's been made to feel like an inconvenience when she demonstrates emotions. Now, this, of course, goes back, back. Uh, so uh, we're not going to talk about that tonight. But for you guys to know that this habit of being apologetic appears in everything that she does. She often uh, becomes distressed when she has to verbalize her wants and needs. And most of the time, she doesn't even acknowledge that she wants or needs anything. She is also the woman who feels usually unimportant or less than. This causes her to require a lot of reassurance. This is the girl that's going to call 15 of her friends in order for her to make a decision because she just does not trust herself to make one. She's afraid to make one. Any of the variations here is happening. She often will compare herself to other people. It'll show up at work uh, where she perceives that another person is being cut more slack than she is. She will compare herself to another person in all uh, events and really uh, confirm to herself because nobody else is confirming it for her. She is confirming for herself that once again, here I am not being important or I am less than. Often she will respond more defensively because of that. Uh, she'll become easily offended because of that. And um, she uh, will also be described as being sensitive, uh, extra sensitive, because everything usually will tend to be perceived as about her, right? So let's say a, a person walking by her office and she says hi, but the per person doesn't hear her, she will often take offense and, and start blaming herself. What did I do? And she'll play in her mind the last interaction she had with that person. What could I have done? It's my fault. And then when she realizes that she has no information on what she may have done, she will start getting angry at that person and become offended. She will create a narrative in her mind that somehow this person's holding a grudge on something that isn't even memorable and, and, um, and will become easily offended in most cases. Unfortunately, the inconvenient woman will react on it, will react on it. And sometimes it'll become really something that she takes a risk in, but does not fully get any payback from. Um, because she will tell people how she is offended or she will respond to them in, in a certain way, but the people really don't uh, know that it's coming or even exists. So in her mind, she might even test uh, some of these individuals and, and attribute characteristics to them that aren't actually there. Now, 
It is also important to note that the inconvenient woman will sometimes say, I feel bad. That's a common thing that the inconvenient woman will say when she's asked why she did something. Well, I feel bad or why she's going to do something. She'll also say, I feel bad. You know, that comes out of her mouth in, in her decision making as well as in her responses. You know, she will do things out of guilt, out of what she perceives others will think of her. Uh, again, that she's been made to feel like she's an inconvenient. So it makes sense that the guilt of constantly being an inconvenience to others will take over and she'll respond on that. Yeah. So she also anticipates judgment by others because again, her unfortunate feeling of inferiority and unimportance, she will often perceive that she is judged by others. Again, resulting in her defensive uh, response as well as her uh, severe offense in certain cases through her narratives in her mind. She'll create these stories, again, that may not even have a lot of evidence to support them, but she will select certain things, certain events, certain behaviors, replay them in her head and make connections that unfortunately offend her. This is one of, <laughs> this is how I really think the inconvenient woman stands out in her profile for me. And that is, she will often mistake emotional independence with financial self-sufficiency. Now, this is the woman that often verbalizes, I'm independent. She will be an overachiever, actually. Inconvenient women, women usually are overachievers. But this is where they fall deep into their inconvenience, right? Into the feeling of an inconvenience, which is in their... uh interaction with others. So a lot of the time, especially in a romantic sense, the uh, inconvenient woman will verbalize she is so independent, all she really needs, and I've actually heard this from a woman before, all she really needs is somebody who takes care of her, who loves her, and takes care of her emotionally. That's all she wants, emotional uh, availability, or they have time for her. She doesn't care whether they take care of her financially or give much back in that in that form so unfortunately that gets her into trouble because uh, she will often choose a male that might give her a lot of attention love bombs the hell out of her right but eventually uh, he doesn't give anything beyond a lot of texting a lot of communication here and there uh, maybe attention but he won't actually make the effort for example like usually picking up the check when they go to a restaurant or when they're uh, doing anything, she'll usually be the one that's always taking care of that. If they are living together, perhaps she will expect herself because she's financially capable to put in more uh, rather than allow the other person to find a way to make his part of the commitment to paying bills. You know, she will more than likely overdo it by paying for his part as well. This is how it will show up in everyday life. The inconvenient woman's partner will get away with a lot because he will do the minimum and she will make excuses or justifications for that person rather than allowing them to be a contributor. All this due to her inconvenience with herself and fearing that she's an inconvenient to other people. So it's a form of control as well, right? She is also controlling whether this person stays or leaves based on uh, materialistically being able to provide so this way he doesn't feel that she's an inconvenience and actually leaves. She doesn't want to risk 
this person leaving, right? The inconvenient woman, we'll call this in, independence, but it really isn't. It really isn't um, because it won't allow for equality and eventually it'll become a resentment for the couple. And finances and sex are the two primary reasons couples fight. So, and she will chalk it up as I don't really need it. I don't, I'm financially sufficient. But unfortunately, in the long term, because of the simple fact that a woman gets pregnant and a man does not, a woman will eventually need some time off of work. And so she will need a provider who will maintain his, uh, uh, role as a provider, as a person who is a partner, an equal partner, because it would be kind of, at that point, it won't be enough to just be emotionally lo- <laughs> lovey-dovey, right? Romancing um, when we have to go pick up the kids and I got to do everything. And I've seen this quite a bit, unfortunately. I've seen a lot of inconvenient women, uh, women that I would call act as single moms when they are married, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They act as single mothers when they're married. So it's kind of like they're the ones doing all the work. They pick up the kids. They get them all their stuff ready. They're the ones going to buy school stuff. They're the ones doing everything. Right. And the man is just the man. <laughs> he's, just, he, he's just at home hanging out. Very little is expected of him. And the mom is just running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Right. Being a single mom when she's married. That's an inconvenient woman. If you know that woman, that's what is what is an inconvenient woman. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the nitty gritty of specifically the area of the inconvenient woman in love. Now, when I wrote this literature, when I wrote this very small <laughs> piece of literature about the inconvenient woman as I was co- collecting information about her and really wanting people to know about her so we can heal this within us, I wrote what the inconvenient woman does in each and every area in her life, whether it's friendship, uh, work, environment, what her upbringing is like, her interaction with parents, whatever. I brought different areas so you could see what the inconvenient woman might do. In the future, if you guys are interested in this, I will have a workshop in which I'm working on with other women on their inconvenient women wounds, because we need to really work on that. So that's really the purpose of me writing all this, putting it together was to eventually develop a workshop for women that I can um, get together, maybe 10 at a time, and then just do a little workshop to get you guys started and really working deeply within those wounds. So this way, you can identify them within yourself and find way find ways to heal them and learn ways to heal them. So Going back to the inconvenient woman in love, because that's all I'm talking about today in the area of love. And I think that would be probably the most effective for many, because <laughs> that's where, to me, that's what to me shows up a lot in our decisions about love. The first thing that's important to note about the inconvenient woman in love is that she is usually known for having a string of toxic relationships when it comes to romance. Uh, she constantly gets into relationships or may have several under her belt that do not act in equality, uh, do not present that way. She's usually doing a lot more work. And unfortunately, because there are unlearned lessons that needs to be learned uh, within this really toxic relationship, she might move quickly from one relationship to another to work on her self-esteem and do a patch-up job really quick, but not deeply looking at this problem. So usually she's identified with a string of toxic relationships. 
The next important characteristic in the inconvenient woman in love would be that she expects to be saved. Now, because she has difficulty verbalizing her wants and needs, like I said before, she won't really uh, acknowledge them within herself. She's learned to put them away and prioritize the emotions of others and the needs of others to get her value. She will simply uh, have difficulty making any important decisions for herself and will definitely resemble a martyr in a relationship where she's overdoing everything and she's going to want to be saved. She romances the idea of a person seeing her value when she does not, right? And we can romance that in all sorts of ways, songs, movies, where somehow the woman is saved. She's waiting for someone to finally see her value, finally contribute, finally, you, you get what I'm trying to put out there. It's like um, she's willing to go through uh, just suffering uh, until she's finally saved, and that's because she does not acknowledge her own wants and needs and she will not stand up for them. She will not uh, make decisions based on them. Unfortunately, she'll want another person to save her from her to, to see what she wants and what she needs before uh, she does is the best way to say that. Okay. Now, because of that, she also attaches her value to other people's responses. Often this woman, like I said before, she will make uh, a lot of the behaviors of the other person that she cares about, about her. So it will look like something like this. Like uh, if, let's say the guy is detaching just slightly, like let's say he's doing something like thinking about something or in his phone or he's just acting, he's just quiet. The woman in this situation, the inconvenient woman will start to uh, think this is about her. She'll start to, to get itching with this fear of abandonment and it will just creep up and then she'll start evaluating the guy's responses as he's trying to get away from her and, and that she's going to want validation at that point. And because he's not, you know, allowed to have a bad day, for example, she's going to often ask him to validate that for her. She's, he's going to often ask her to, she's going to ask, she's going to start a fight, initiate a fight with him in order for him to finally get to say, to her that yes, you're important. I, I, and reassure her in whatever way that he needs to reassure her. So this way she, uh, does not take offense or personalize his responses. So often she really does have to assess her value, determine her value based on the responses of others. Others around her are not free to behave or misbehave in any way, uh, without her blaming herself for that, for that. Uh, and, and quickly wanting to go into control mode, trying to fix it. The next thing that I think is important here to note, and of course, there's more on this. I have this in detail in the writing that I, I, I'm doing on the inconvenient woman. But I'm just giving you kind of like the little bits and pieces. So this way it gets us started. All right. The next one, she's afraid to set standards. That would only make sense, right? She's an inconvenient woman. So she perceives herself to be an inconvenience. Her feelings, wants, and needs are an inconvenient to others is how she perceives it. So she will have a hard time setting any standards uh, because uh, she's afraid that they won't meet them. And then if they don't meet them, she's going to hurt herself and blame herself. Like, I'm not worthy because this guy is not contributing in a relationship. He doesn't contribute because I'm not worthy enough. I'm an inconvenience to him. So often it'll make her work harder. Um, it'll make her work harder. And the other guy 
because she's afraid that he won't meet those standards, she will drop her standards and send the message, unfortunately, accidentally, that he does not have to do as much as she does, right? So in a relationship, the inconvenient woman will be working harder, a lot harder than her partner. She also will often project her insecurities onto others and has difficulty you know, challenging and taking responsibility for her own projections, right? She'll, she'll have this story in her head and she'll just accuse right away. You, 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 you're angry at me. You're, you're, uh, I don't know. You want to leave me and she'll, she'll project these things onto them, but they're not really like a, the behaviors of others, the thoughts of others, the feelings of others are not all about her. She's not the center of their world all the time. And, and that's okay. But the inconvenient woman often, again, because she has low self-esteem, a low sense of ownership for her own space, she uh, will often do these little measurements to feel better. But it's only a temporary feeling that she gets of feeling good and, and worthy because eventually others have other things to do instead of validating her and affirming her all the time. That is kind of the majority of what I've got on the uh, IC woman or the inconvenient woman in love. And so this gets us started on that concept. And uh, now we're going to go back to the email that I kind of read to you in the beginning and to answer some of these questions. And hopefully this episode answers a lot of the questions for this wonderful listener, uh, because that that is... Uh, this inconvenient woman is in all of us. Uh, it's um, programmed within us and we don't even know it's there. And sometimes we deliver it to the next woman, the next child woman, <laughs> and we don't know we're doing it. So it's important for us to identify these wounds and make sure that the next generation of women is a lot less inconvenient to themselves than, unfortunately, this generation. So our wonderful listener. Let's go back to her and her questions. She said that she tends to gravitate towards those who take and not give back and require a lot of validation from my partner. So the fact that she sees and admits that she, in her mind, justifies the need to give a lot and expect less back, that is definitely about her right? An inconvenient woman usually will be very afraid, very afraid to ask a lot of a man or a partner because she is afraid of being an inconvenience to them. So often she will have all these very high expectations of herself. She'll say, I'm loyal. I am giving. I'm loving. And she'll verbalize that she expects this of another person, but she will not actually follow through with the consequence if they do not give her that back. So she'll continue to nag. And that's what she's going to be known for, unfortunately. She's going to be known for nagging to her partner over and over again, trying to make them see that she is worthy and that she deserves to be treated equally. She will not, however, see what's right in front of her. She won't see if this person is actually capable of giving her what she wants or meeting her standards. She will justify that maybe he had had a rough life, had past relationships that are pretty bad. Often, I've heard a lot of women give the excuse that it's it's a man, so they're not really good at communicating. And so we we really expect a lot less from our partner. We make excuses for them because let's say if men are known to be unemotional and don't know how to communicate, we expect less 
of that uh, from them so they don't have to perform to meet that standard. So it's not like we're going to let them go because they are deficient in the area of communication or giving equally. Oh, no, we're going to keep them. We're going to make excuses for them rather than let them go and sit with ourselves and wait for the right guy to come along in order for us to be a match to them, right? The one that we don't have to mold or raise or make a better man, right? We don't have to raise a man. So if you're a woman raising a man, right? You're molding them up the way you want them to be molded, uh, mold. You're trying to save them. Any variations of that, you are an inconvenient woman. I'm just putting it out there for you. And like I said, it's not to be offensive. It is in all of us women. We are programmed that way and we want to clean that mess up on aisle five. So there's no better time to do it than now and identifying it within ourselves. So this way we don't want to lower our standards and expectations. We want to keep them the same. I want women to be picky, darn it. I want women to be picky because when we invite a partner into our life, we invite them into our world, our minds, our bodies. And so all of that is a, is a pretty important, significant role that they play. Please be picky. Please wait for the right person for that job to come along, uh, you know, and don't settle for any less by making excuses for them because we're afraid of loneliness, because we have a feeling of inconvenience within ourselves that allows these people to get away with a lot in our presence and in, in, our, in relationship with us. We expect a lot less of them. We make excuses and justifications for them because we've perceive ourselves to be an inconvenience. You see what I mean? It's an ugly wound that we have to face. Now, <laughs> the next thing that um, Amy said in her email, she said that she will require a lot of validation. Well, of course, if a woman requires a lot of validation from her partner, at first, it seems great, right? Because the partner is like, yes, finally, I'm needed. But also, she could easily become a target for a person who can use her because uh, they can use her need for validation against her. It's like, I can give you very little. And when you start talking back or asking for more, I can, <laughs> I can make, I could start a fight with you, make you feel bad, make you feel guilty about asking for more. So this way you learn to ask for less and less and less in that relationship. Unfortunately, that happens quite a bit with the inconvenient woman. She will start asking for a lot less because again, the, uh, the partner could be very well using her insecurity, her, uh, limited ability to acknowledge her own wants and needs because she perceives them as an inconvenience to herself and others. He'll, he'll use that against her. It's gonna, we're gonna be attracting a, a partner that will really give a lot less and I'll be okay with it as the inconvenient woman. That's the danger in it right? So I'm settling for a lot less most of the time if I'm the inconvenient woman. Now, um, she even says that actually, she says, I tend to gravitate towards those that take and not give back and require a lot of validation from my partner. Yeah, again, it's it's already starting out as just confirming for me that this, this is a habit here. Uh, it's already implemented in that relationship or expectations in that relationship. She says, I also need to be needed. And I continue to anticipate the worst and try to argue before any actual problems occur as a way of controlling the narrative. Yeah. So again, fear of abandonment is really significant in that statement. Uh, fear of a person even emotionally disengaging. This is an old wound for Amy probably, but for now, since I'm not going to delve too deeply in there, we just want to kind of acknowledge that uh, this is a person who's going to start 
an argument or a fight to make sure that she's wanted or needed. So as if a, if if she perceives her partner is in, is disengaging, right? They're doing something and that they're not paying attention to her, she perceives they're not paying attention, she will automatically think they're trying to leave her or abandon her. At which point she's going to try to control the situation by starting a fight, initiating a fight. This will happen consistently <laughs> and it'll put it'll put the partner in a place where they are often being accused of stuff that they don't even know they're doing. Right, because the narratives inside the uh, the inconvenient woman is going to just be uh, accusatory and and um, just un- unfair at times to the the partner, and t- at times at times it will be unfair. Okay, now. Let's see. What's the next thing she says? She says she will anticipate the worst. Again, she's anticipating the person is going to leave. So there's a fear of abandonment. The worst most of the time is a fear of abandonment for any inconvenient woman. That's a deep, deep wound. And abandonment does not have to be physical abandonment. It, it, it really most of the time starts emotionally. You could be sitting there with your partner watching Netflix and all of a sudden the inconvenient woman starts to feel like uh, she needs validation in that moment. She'll start to fight. She'll start a fight right there while you're watching TV. That's it. Like you don't even know where it came from. She'll start wanting some sort of validation because her mind is running with her. And uh, I don't know. Maybe she saw the partner pick up the phone a few times and she's already perceiving that he's going to leave her. She, you know, whatever the case is, it's going to be, it's going to be um, the constant uh, torment for this inconvenient woman on the inside. When it comes to her partner, she's going to have a need to control. All right. She said, um, she said, I have a codependency problem. Sure, she does. Absolutely. And I don't know if you notice this, the inconvenient woman is very similar to the codependent, right? So I'm, I'm piggybacking and just developing more that I don't see necessarily just codependence. It's really a feeling of inconvenience. That's why I didn't call it the codependent woman. I called it the inconvenient woman. She gives you a different feeling. She's that apologetic, doesn't own her space, you know, just it's it's really rough, easily offended woman. It's just beyond codependency for me. I wanted to make sure that I gave her her own profile that we need to know her as. So this way we can help her out. So she asked if, uh, do you have any feedback or advice for me as I attempt to build a meaningful relationship with my partner? She says he's very independent individual that is not an affectionate person. Now, Amy, if you want affection from a person and if you want love or, um, yeah, affection from a person. I need you to have this expectation. I don't need you to call it independent, right? Uh, we can want that from a partner. It just does not have to be this partner, right? I'm allowed to want what I want, but it's also allowed not to come in the package that is in front of me. That's allowed to happen, because if it if I'm trying to make this person into what I want them to be, which is affectionate, and I'm still letting I'm kind of saying, well, they're independent. It's kind of like almost justifying that they're unable to give or show affection because they're independent. Like I'm justifying it in that statement, which is unkind to you, Amy, because uh, it's not gonna it's gonna keep you stuck. It's gonna be like, well, I'll I'll have to get rid of my need for affection because this guy's independent. No, 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 no. I want you, Amy, to keep 
your standard for affection, but I need you to allow that it may not come into the pack in, in the package that is right in front of you. I need you to see your partner correctly. I need you to see them correctly as they are, because if we're not seeing them correctly, then I'm going to want to mold them, save them, fix them. All these are bad ideas, <laughs> bad ideas that never really end well. We want to make sure that the person's already what they are fixed up right in front of you. If you're working on yourself and that you're fixing things within yourselves, wonderful. I need you to expect the same of your partner because I don't know why you would expect less from another person. Why would you? If you exist, then your partner who's a match to you will exist as well. But what we don't want to do, and then the universe will not be that kind to if we try to make a person something they are not. That is never looked on in, in a, in a gentle way by the universe. It just doesn't like, it doesn't like it. <laughs> so we want to stay true and, um, we want to stay honest with ourselves and towards others. If they are not affectionate, we're just going to call it as non affectionate. Not that they're independent or whatever the case is. They're just not affectionate. Now, what do I want to do from that place? Cause I can nag them, but. What I'm going to get back if I try to communicate, quote unquote, communicate with uh, with him about it. Uh, he might tell me I'll work on it, but I'll be stuck because he's saying something and I'm willing to take whatever he's saying, but I'm not willing to wait for the actions to support that. Okay. So this is the thing. We don't talk about it anymore. We just simply see the person accurately. We really work on seeing the person that we're with, with clarity. Now, does that work for me? Does it match my standards? If it doesn't match my standards, there is the truth we all got to face. And it hurts. And it hurts. But at least it doesn't waste your time because it's suffering to be with a person that does not meet your standards when you deserve much, much more. But you have to perceive yourself worthy of it. Yeah. So again, this is, uh, he is an affectionate person or he's not an affectionate person or offers much in talking things out. Well, then that means he's not, <laughs> he's not interested in communicating with you and having that relationship where there's a uh, depth in it. And that's, that's okay. He's allowed to be there. Now, what would you like to do about it, Amy? Um, we cannot change a person to talk more or find more value in communicating with a partner. It, it's, it's kind of like, uh, that's the answer. That's, right in front of us. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't find that as a priority to communicate about those things or create intimacy in that form. Is that okay with you? Can you live with that long term? Because we're not going to change it. We cannot change it in another, we cannot change, save, educate another person about this because we're just going to be nagging them and uh, we're going to be living in suffering. They will as well. It is just a waste of time, waste of time because we don't want to see what's in front of us. We want to be in this delusion and make excuses for this partner. Like he's just independent. He doesn't talk things out. He just doesn't communicate, you know, cause he's a man. He's an emotion. You see those justifications. It just keeps us stuck from making important decisions. We got to make that will be the highest good for all in the future. Again, she, she talks about that she will become overwhelmed and, and panics when she perceives that he doesn't find her uh, important or a priority. Again, if she wants to be found a priority to someone, which is great to want. Okay. You're not asking for much. You're not asking for much, Amy. I just need you to, to, to want it and think it to be important in order for you to do something about it. If the person does not find you a priority, if he ignores you, ignores your wants and needs, has consistently ignored your wants, wants and needs and doesn't really prioritize uh, any of them. This is your answer as it is in the raw information 
presented to you. That is the answer. That's it. We don't clean it up. We don't cover it up. We don't sugarcoat it. It is what it is. And again, it's the hardest thing to digest for us because we want this person. We could love them, care about them. And because we love them and care about them, we think we have to make excuses for them. Um, we, we have to just tolerate and suffer and, and not have an equal partner and not desire one. Again, that's all the inconvenient wounds in that inconvenient woman that needs to be worked on. She's allowed to want what she wants. She's allowed to need what she needs in her life and to have the feelings she wants to have. She's allowed to experience these beautiful adventures. However, she has to support them in her lifetime. She cannot be saved. She cannot be given permission to want them by anybody else. So she has to support what she wants. She has to acknowledge her wants and needs and support them in this lifetime. That's the healing the inconvenient woman has to do. Everybody's allowed to be where they're at. They're allowed to show her what they're about and what their priority is, what they will do in a relationship and what they won't do in a relationship. And she has to see all of this with clarity in order to make the right decisions and not waste her time. And always know that, Amy, if you are a loyal loving, giving person, and you exist, right? And that level of love and loyalty exists within you in your humanity. More than likely, it exists in another who's a match to you perfectly. Please do not expect less of the universe. It will deliver it to you. You would have to just work on you. And in the process of working on you, it will happen. It'll happen. Not the way you want it, but certainly the way you need it. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on this episode. This episode means a lot to me because, um, again, it's just work and effort I've been putting on to creating this profile of the inconvenient woman. And I want to make sure that I remind everybody that I will be doing a workshop eventually. Let's see what the feedback is on this one. But I've been writing this workshop for some time. I think, you know, with a little nudge, it'll be ready soon. <laughs> and so this way I can get uh, all these women to stop feeling like they're an inconvenience. It is a mission of mine, friends. I'm sending you love and light. And remember that every woman is born a diamond. However, the saddest outcome belongs to the one that does not know she is. This has been an episode of Drive Through. <laughs>